Welcome to You Don't Know Mojack, episode SST008. My name's Ryan. My name's Brent. Today we're here to talk about 7-inch single by a band called Overkill that is uh, known generally as the Hell's Getting Hotter single, which is um, an interesting release in kind of the early days of SST. I know last week I mentioned that I didn't really know this release too much, and and I really don't. Um, I listened to it for the first time, like really deliberately listened to it for this podcast, but I was going back, and uh, I actually do know the Hell's Getting Hotter song, and it's on the Blasting Concept, uh, Volume 1. So I know it from that, but other than that, I really did not know much about this band before kind of looking it up for the show. Same. Just before we get into that, there was a couple of things we talked about last week. I don't know if you remember, we actually mentioned that new record that Mike Watt is on, and I wanted to mention it, Big Walnuts Yonder record yeah did you get it i did and i had to listen to it it's kind of all over the place it's got some good stuff on it hit and miss but the one thing that like it's kind of got some funky stuff it's got some stuff that sounds like kind of traditional well not traditional i guess but you know stuff that it doesn't surprise you that that's mike watt and the band you know it sounds very mike wattish yep. kind of hit and miss it's worth checking out for sure. But the one thing that really struck me yet again on that one, and uh, it's just because um, Raymond Pettibone's got a couple of new, well, he doesn't, but there are a couple of new collections of his artwork out that are awesome that I was uh, checking out. And the, the Big Walnuts Yonder has got a Pettibone piece on the cover that's just striking and very cool again. But just so people know, like the Pettibone stuff is... Some of it's really hard to get. Some of it's really expensive, but there are a couple of new books. One called Homo Americanus. That one's really good. And then one called A Pen of All Work. And both of those, you can get them like Amazon, that type of stuff. And they have everything. They kind of cover the gambit for his work. Early punk flyers to some of the really cool surfers that he draws. Some of the political stuff. Some of the pretty grotesque and shocking stuff. But I just wanted to make sure to mention that to give a pettibone plug there. Because we were talking about the Big Walnuts Yonder last week. Do you know that band, Terra Milos? No, what's that? One of the dudes in Big Walnuts Yonder is in that band. Well, They're cool. The, the only other guy I know from Big Walnuts Yonder is Nels Klein. I don't know a lot about that band. I'm pretty sure the first time I heard them was actually on Mike Watt's podcast, The Watt from Pedro Show, which is great. They've got a couple albums out on that Sergeant House label. What are they like? I don't know, like art punk, I guess. Some of the Big Walnuts Yonder is almost like very structureless almost like a free jazz type of feel now and then and then it gets into kind of a funky groove and it pulls you back in and then it goes off on a tangent so yeah maybe that's what that one's like too okay let's get into overkill all right here we go overkill hell's getting hotter history lesson part one i don't know anything about this band so i hope you do I really didn't know that much, to be honest. Like I said, I uh, had only really heard them on the Blasting Concept, and frankly, I just kind of passed over it on the Blasting Concept record, to be completely honest. It did not really catch my attention. Overkill is kind of known as one of the metal-tinged hardcore bands, one of the first hardcore bands that's starting getting a bit of a metal element. Not so much on this single, though. I think we'll hear that more on their full-length called Triumph of the Will, which is SST38. And that one's got a bit of a story behind it too, which we'll get to uh, in due course. This release though is, I would say, 
pretty traditional hardcore of the day, you know, early 80s. Uh, they started out in L.A. in 1980. They actually reunited in 2005 for like a, a year or so under the moniker SST Overkill. And you may have seen this brand like that Overkill Triumph of the Will LP is often attributed to Overkill LA because there is this other Overkill that's a metal band. They're like a new, I think they're from New Jersey. Yeah, they're like a, thr- New York. Like a thrash band and you probably know more about them than I do. Yeah, they're still going. Yeah, so I mean, you know, listeners to the podcast will find out eventually that if you want to know anything about metal uh you probably should ask brant and not me but this overkill they reunited for like a year or so in the early 2000s and then they kind of went kaput very quick they were formed by two guys primarily a guy named kurt markham who started on guitar but ended up on drums and he actually ended up in a band called dc3 which we will get to eventually, which is um, a band that Des Kadena from Black Flag started. And the, the second guy who started the band is a guy named Ron Cordy on bass. He went into what I think is an, another metal band eventually called Bitch. Do you know that metal band called Bitch? Uh, well, there's a New Wobbum band, I think, called Bitch, but I bet it's not the same band. Well, New Wobbum, isn't that uh, UK? Yeah. Yeah, this I'm pretty sure this would be a, an American metal band. Yeah. So when Kurt Markham went to drums, they got another guitarist called uh, Jeff Dimmick and eventually another guy named Felice Lacoco. The first vocalist was a guy named John Joe Garul or Gurul. I don't know how that how to pronounce that. But the second and uh, longest standing vocalist was a guy named Merrill Ward who was uh, a guitarist for Nig Heist and also a roadie for Black Flag and good buddies with Greg Ginn and Chuck Dukowski. Now, the only source... (laughs) I read Wikipedia, and so take that for what it's worth, but I'm pretty sure I read on their Wikipedia page that Merrill Ward got asked to join Black Flag after Dez left. Yeah, I read that too. Have you read that anywhere other than Wikipedia? I don't know. You know, I haven't. I've been... I'm trying to read the Mead Puppets book right now to get ready for the next episode. Uh, but as soon as I'm done that, I'm going to reread Rock and the Pop Narcotic. If it's anywhere and it's actually legit, it'll be in that Joker Ducci book, I'm sure. Okay, we'll add that to your list of, of facts that we need to verify. Yeah, there are there are so many uh, tidbits in Rock and the Pop Narcotic. I'm going to have sticky notes all over it. Like, for example, when I was reading up on uh, Overkill, there's a quote in here in rock and the pop narcotic they kind of get lumped in it's it says here um in los angeles at the decades beginning the minutemen the descendants saccharine Ch- trust overkill red cross gun club the eyes the adolescence legal weapon the angry samoans and agent orange all hit vinyl and stages impressively any band whose singer lights his balls on fire in performances perhaps not destined to survive long but Overkill did leave behind one heavy headstone of an album, and they kicked any and all ass privileged to witness their spontaneous combustion, an early organ- organic convergence of punk edge and heavy metal ambition. Kind of that's Joe Carducci's take on them. But I yeah, from what from what little I've read, it, it makes it sound like Merrill Ward was a pretty crazy frontman. Yeah, totally. That that's what I heard uh, any place that i was reading up on it no also on wikipedia it says that he's going to be the singer in swa yeah he eventually ends up um the whole time i don't know if it's the whole time like definitely most of the albums he's the lead singer 
And I don't know, is it SWA or SWA? I read somewhere that it's pronounced SWA. I feel like um, just because of my punk roots, I I feel inclined to pronounce it SWA. But if it's SWA, I've been wrong all these years. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because Merrill Ward was buddies with Greg Ginn and Chuck Dukowski. The band actually ended up disbanding. We'll get to this more when we're talking about the LP, Triumph of the Will. And, I mean, we just read a quote from Joe Carducci, who's really pumping that album as as something to look forward to. And also, if I'm not mistaken, like we'll, we'll get to this. They kind of recorded the bed tracks for that record, and then it sat on the shelf for several years. But Like they recorded it right around this time, Yeah, I think. Yeah, and, and or, well, I mean... They recorded this single, uh, I think, in 80 or 81. And then, no, Hell's Hell's Getting Hotter was recorded in 81, released in 82. And then they recorded Triumph of the Will shortly thereafter. But then it sat on the shelf and Meryl Ward eventually, like, recorded the vocals on it later on. But he was fired from the band, apparently. And I guess maybe not fired, maybe he left. There are different accounts of how he stopped being the vocalist of Overkill, but there was apparently once once Merrill left Overkill, there was tension between the band and Greg Ginn, and that's part of the reason why the LP was was not released shortly after it was recorded. So we'll talk about that a bit yeah. more when we get there. They because they ended up they did keep going. They kept going with another vocalist though. Yeah, they had another vocalist uh, called Steve Jones but uh, not the Sex Pistols guy. And then even another vocalist, I believe, called Scott Kidd. And I don't know much about those guys. Are, were they? Were one of them in this band, the Stepmothers? Yeah, Steve Jones, I think. Steve Jones, yeah. Steve Jones was in the Stepmothers, and I don't know anything about them. I don't know if you do. Not really. I, you hear that name every once in a while, but I don't really know them. It's interesting, well. you know, this is, it's one of those early bands on SST where there's virtually nothing known about them when you compare it to Black Flag, Husker Du, Miniman, Meat Puppets, who have all had like books written about them. The best you can do for Overkill is a couple random quotes in some books and Wikipedia, which is pretty brutal. But Well, I would argue that it's likely due to the fact that the uh, single is just not very remarkable, in my opinion. On that note, let's uh, let's, turn, <laughs> let's turn to the single then. Let's talk about the Hell's Getting Hotter single. Let's. History Lesson, Part 2. I actually don't have this single. I've got it on a compilation called The Seven Inch Wonders of the World, uh, released on SST as well. It's SST 70. So we'll get to that one eventually. This single, though, has got four tracks on it. Its namesake, Hell's Getting Hotter. Uh, second song is called Our War. That That's the song that sounds like a Circle Jerk song to me. It does a little bit, I would say. Sounds like that song that goes, uh, it's not Vietnam, it's another oil company scam. The vocals, right? The riff sounds like it. Yeah, the riff. and the, But there's yep. moments, though, when Merrill Ward does kind of, the way he speaks the vocals, it's reminiscent of of the circle jerk stuff for me but i i just can't even compare overkill to circle jerks this is oh no well let's finish off the tracks the third uh third song is burn the school and then the fourth track is don't want to be told and as you mentioned a moment ago for me too not the greatest single in my view but you know i was who wrote them who's the songwriter in that band the drummer markham wrote three of the is, is credited with three of the four tracks on here the song our war is credited to R. Cordy, the bass player, and Jay Joseph. Do we mention that guy? I don't know. Uh, no, we didn't mention Jay Joseph. 
But, you know, I was thinking, like, it's not a very remarkable single um, when you look back on it. At, but I was thinking, you know, at the time, maybe. Maybe. Just because of the the metal influence. I mean, this single, does it sound metal to you? Maybe the guitar tones do a little bit. It's more, so, to me, it just sounds like generic hardcore. Yeah. I mean, that's in hindsight, though. You know, that's after a decade of hardcore that followed that. So maybe at the time it was groundbreaking. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, when I listened to it, I heard Circle Jerks, but I don't know if you heard this too, but I heard Subhumans, like Canadian Subhumans, influ- like sounding vibes on this single. And then I was like, boy, I sure like the Subhumans a lot more than this. That's what went through my head. Yeah, I don't know. To me, Subhumans were more of like a straight ahead rock band almost than a hardcore band. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, they're actually this this overkill seven inch, and maybe this is the metal part. Is that some of it has got some some rock elements to it, but it doesn't really really stand out. But for its time, for its day, um, and it definitely has an S uh, place in you know the SST catalog. I was listening to it though yeah. on this compilation, the Seven Inch Wonders of the World. And the other thing that when you listen to it in the context of the other singles on this and just, you know, this compilation has got Black Flag, Nervous Breakdown, Six Pack, TV Party, Husker Du, Eight Miles High, Make No Sense at All, Meat Puppets, In a Car, Miniman Paranoid Time, and then Worm Art, I'm Dead. And we'll get to Worm uh, soon, actually. But when you listen to, and you, you know that, like, for me anyways some like probably in my top five SST bands or Minuteman and Husker Du. Black Flag's in there, but Husker Du is maybe, you know, tied for first with Minuteman and Firehose. I don't know. There's too many tied for first, but when I listen to... Three-way tie for first? Three-way tie for first, exactly. Nice. When I listen to, like, the Eight Miles High single and then Overkill next, Overkill just doesn't compare to me. Yeah. Just doesn't compare. The single was... It was produced and engineered by Spot again. It was recorded at Music Lab Studios in Silver Lake, California. And you know what? I wasn't actually, I wanted to mention this too. This is one of the things I wanted to mention at the outset, but I might as well sneak it in here. I don't know if you caught, Brant, that record label Numero Group has just released a big box set on um, early Husker Du stuff. Already ordered it. Yeah, me too, obviously. Um it's called uh, Savage Young Do. And I don't know if you were if you saw anything on social media, but there was a bunch of people kind of uh, slagging Spot's production. There was um, some posts and trolls and stuff that were kind of saying, you know, oh, thank God we've got someone to fix or be better than Spot. Or Wow. I don't think Spot did any of the stuff that's coming out on that. For starters well exactly for starters they didn't have their head on straight for that but i wanted to say about spots production because i actually think the production on this single is pretty good for a hardcore single it sounds good i think i mentioned a couple episodes that there's some stuff that spot has produced that i'm not a huge fan of and the number one thing that always comes to my mind is new day rising that who's do record but you have to put yourself in that time frame we listened to saccharine trust pagan icons spot produced that that record sounds killer well i i think when we get to that who's do you'll find that bob mold and grand Hart, you know were heavily involved in the production of those albums as well yeah no well that's the thing like what struck me with some of the stuff people were saying just on these social media sites about that new Husker Du box set. I thought they were being just 
way too harsh on Spot's production because, A, I don't think that he's 100% at fault for any less than perfect production. And B, you, you got to think about what they were dealing with back then. I mean, I mentioned I'm reading through the Meat Puppets. No budget. No budget. I'm reading through the Meat Puppets book and they're like, we would go in there and crank out a record for less than five grand, you know, in a day. And even Mike Watt mentioned that on one of our earlier podcasts too. And so... when And when they say in a day, we're talking mixed. Yeah, and they would record it in sequence, right? Yep. So, uh, But I, I mean, you, you hear people talk shit about, you know, how badly Black Flag needs to re- be remastered all the time. Apparently that was close to happening a couple years ago. And of course I want that to happen too. But I mean, for me, it's about, you know, again, it's the nostalgia thing. It sounds that There's, way, right? There is, there is nothing I would change about my war. You know what I mean? And uh, you hear the production on that get slagged all the time. Yeah, I don't I don't mind my war at all. It's That's exactly how it sounds. And you know what? I mean, I, I learned it on, or I shouldn't say learned it. I mean, I became familiar with it like on a very bad cassette dub of my war, which didn't do it any favors, but that's kind of the sound that, I'm used to too, right? When I hear it on CD or on LP even, I kind of go, wow, there's all this extra stuff there that I never heard. But anyways, I mean, I just, because this single is produced by Spot and it actually sounds good for a hardcore 7-inch, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was a bit unfair to Spot. Totally. Yeah. You hear that all the time and I think it's just, sometimes people just say what they think they're supposed to say. Yeah. And, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to either. I'm not trying to be a bandwagon jumper on coming to Spot's defense either, because there are some spotty recordings. But you hear it mostly about Husker Du. You have to remember that they were going for a wall of sound. Yes. No. Type I type of sound on those albums. You I know. know. No, I know. I was like, a lot of it has to do with with Bob Mould's guitar sound. You yeah. Know? Ultra, ultra treble and burying the vocals. That's what they actually wanted. You know. So, and and I get that, but I mean, I just, I guess it's just... I mean, the guy played an Ibanez, for Christ's sake. But it, but for me, it's like, I just wish I could hear the vocals a lot better. When I listen to New Day, well, we'll get to this, but I mean, when I listen to New Day Rising, and then I listen to Flip Your Wig back to back, it's like, oh, I wish Flip Your Wig production was on New Day Rising, but anyway. Again, I, I, th- I think that was intentional, though. Like, they did, they did that live. They mixed the vocals down. Yeah, well, no, I, I mean, I have no doubt... That I mean, if you know anything about Bob Mould, you've read his books or anything like that, or the the one book, anyways. I have no doubt that uh, he would have had his hands in how those things sounded. He would not have been like, "Well, we only got five grand. I don't care what it sounds like." Yeah, certainly not by the time they hit New Day Rising. Maybe for Land Speed Record, but there's an aesthetic to that one that uh, goes with the sound quality there. Anyways, maybe a bit of a tangent here, but yeah, that's enough on spot. Anyways, props to Spot. Let's do the ballot result. Ballot result. I think um, since we're not, neither you nor I are huge fans of this, and this single is kind of known as Hell's Getting Hotter, that's the track that found its way onto the blasting concept. If we're going to do the ballot result, I think uh, my vote is for Hell's Getting Hotter. Yeah, I'd go with that. I mean, honestly, I listened to this thing like in the last couple weeks probably 10 times. And Nothing sticks out, right? I, I can't even remember anything about it. Other than the one song sounds like the Circle Jerks riff. Yeah, I know. 
And I mean, I just can't help but wonder if that's because you and I are a bunch of geezers who listen to this for this type of stuff when we were teenagers, and it just is unremarkable. But at the same time, there's some hardcore stuff that you and I still listen to, and it's because... It gets its hooks into you, right? This this one just yeah. But the stuff I the stuff I go back to is either a remarkable, uh, like Minor Threat, or b uh, stuff I had when I was you know a kid that still takes me back. Yeah, but that but that's you know? my point. Th- this this single unfortunately really doesn't do either of those for me, and I and I think that might be that just might be how it worked out for you and I, and that is. Had someone put this single on a compilation tape for us when we were kids and starting out, this might be one of our classics. You never know. Maybe. Yeah, I think there's a chance. Anyways, that's it for uh, You Don't Know Mojack. Next episode, uh, what's up next, Brent? Next up, we've got the Meat Puppets self-titled debut album. Looking forward to that one. I'm a big Meat Puppets guy, so I'm looking forward to getting into into that band. Yeah, me, you know, me too, because... Yet again, it's something that kind of flew under my radar, and uh, especially the first one, I wrote it off as kind of uh, kind of just frantic, hardcore-sounding stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it a little bit more deliberately and having you uh, help me understand it. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I can do that, uh, but <laughs> we'll find out. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Sayonara. Sayonara.